This is a tripod broadcast. Today's the 25th. Yeah. Open so. the 15th, which was during the peak of my illness. Yeah. And then this weekend, I'm feeling good enough. I still have the cough, so I might be, you know, spooking everything out of the woods. I don't know. Yeah, and it's going to be really hot. I mean, 90 degrees tomorrow. I know. That's why I'm like, the next weekend, the following weekend, surely I'd be even better. And it's going to be, what, the high of 65? Yeah, it's supposed to drop. I think Monday is supposed to drop down to like 64 degrees or something. Nice. Of course. For the high. It's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Yeah. But it's going to be Monday, not Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> I think it's still supposed to be in the 60s on Saturday and Sunday. No, I mean this Saturday. Oh, Saturday. it's really yeah. nice tonight. Yeah. Beautiful evening. You're listening to Barnhill Outdoors Podcast. Just three average, raw, relatable hunters sharing tactics, tips, and stories. No scripts. So just sit back and enjoy the reliving of outdoor memories and their pursuit for a new adventure. But welcome to episode 10, yeah. everybody. Yep. Thank you for listening to Barnhill Outdoors podcast. We appreciate it. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about archery season. Archery season. So, like, we Also did. known as bow season. <laughs> also known as bow season. <laughs> Stick and string. Um, methods that you can use. <laughs> you can use a compound bow, longbow, recurve bow, crossbow. Crossbow. Which is new in the last, what's it been, four years probably? Oh, for legal use? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four, for everybody. Years. Yeah. Before I remember they, they came out that I was like, I'm going to buy it. No, I never have. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually not that bad. I mean, there is like the Raven. That's like $2,000 for the Raven. Yeah. Should you describe each of these bows to the listeners? Compound bow is a cam bow. Um, it's either solo cam or dual cams. The cams are the wheels. Yeah, the wheels that the strings go around <laughs> and, and releases the pressure as you pull back. has a let-off uh, percentage, depending on what bow. More expensive, you usually get a higher let-off. It's easier to pull back Yeah. Um, once you get past that point. Uh, then you have a recurve bow, which is just the old stick and string. And you can pull it back for a little while and then let it go. I think a long bow is the same as a recurve bow, but it's not as curved On and it's ends, yeah. longer than the recurve. So same concept as the recurve, just a lot bigger. It'd be really bulky to take that into a tree stand, I think. Yeah. It's not I mean, practical a long bow? hunting. Yeah. I mean, you need to wear some chain mail with it too. Why is that? Medieval days, long oh, bows. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> what they had back then. <laughs> What did they say? How much pound test did they claim? Gosh, 110 or something like that? Yeah. 120? That they they nuts. practiced with like, so they could, you know how they would sit there and right. I think like 120, 130 pounds. And there's pounds. 0% let off on those things. So I maybe think. like when they actually took their bows out to fight, it was probably lighter than that, but they would train with like 120 pound test. That's, that is nuts. Test, 120 pound. Yeah. Drive. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Pull. I shoot. That's insane. I think mine's set at sixty-five, and that's with like a seventy percent let off or something like that. So, and that's not easy, especially when it's cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. The but, more layers you pack on, the harder it gets. Yeah. Shoulder doesn't want to move when it gets really chilly. But, and then a crossbow is, um, it's got cams on it now. The old ones didn't, but they do now, and uh, it's kind of a mix between a rifle and a 
bow, I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, scope. It's got a scope on it. You shoot. It has an actual trigger, like a like a rifle. Um, scope, now, do they shoot know, like, bolts still, or they actually shoot normal arrows? They're have, still bolts. They're have bolts. they ever shot normal arrows? Can you get uh, not that a crossbow that shoots normal arrows? There's a air bow. That's a new thing now. It's like CO2, and it shoots uh, these arrows, but they're like hollow in the middle. You don't have like the knock on the end of it. Hmm. But apparently it shoots them at like 450 or 500 feet per second. That's quick. Yeah. At what point are you getting away from actually... Right, using a bow. <laughs> using a bow, you know. Yeah. Bring well, out the ballistas. That was a big argument when the crossbow in Missouri became legal for all all uses. You know, before you had to have a doctor's note or, you know, be handicapped or Legally whatever. blind right. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're cheating. You're using a crossbow. I, I, I understand, like, I'd say 50 up using the crossbow all the time but when you're younger i i i i'm still on the side of but how many people are using crossbows though quite I, a few I, a lot of people become they become unquote, bow, bow hunters, hunters because now they can use a crossbow uh, yeah. yeah and then you, you still have to you still have to judge the yardage use your rangefinder right you still have to use the right pin in the scope or whatever you have so there is that aspect of it you know where with the rifle you can usually put center crosshair unless it's 500 yards away, 400 yards away, and pull the trigger. So, I mean, there is still the aspect of, you know, having to know the yardage for a bow. Yeah, but you you lose the having to stand, having to pull back while the deer is right there, you know, and it just loses some of its... Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's luster. Yeah. I'm kind of in the middle (laughs) of the argument, I think. I mean, if if you bow hunt with a crossbow, I'm not gonna be like, well, you're not really, you know. I just, for me as an individual, yeah. I think as long as they get meat on the table, that's all. I mean. Now, in right. the winter time, you know, it gets harder to pull that bow back, so it becomes more appealing at that point. Yeah. But as long as I'm able, I think I'll try to stick with my compound. Yeah, I I know a lot of those crossbows shoot significantly farther than a compound bow. Right. Which is a good thing and a bad thing, because I think people assume that since it's a crossbow, they can shoot at 60, 70, 80 yards. And then I feel like there's going to be a lot of wounded deer at that point. Yeah. You know, bad hits, because that's a long shot with any kind of bow. Not with Sky. <laughs> yeah. 92 yards? <laughs> Allegedly. I believe it. I 93, was, I... 94. <laughs> it's a little longer each season. A little, yeah. But I mean, he does practice routinely yeah, at eighty does. plus yeah. yards. So and he's pretty accurate, very yeah. accurate. <laughs> so if he if he says he did, shout it, out to you, Sky. Yeah. yeah, you're here in spirit. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to be here tonight, but he wasn't able to make it. So appreciate that. Um, so yeah, it's been open for ten days, um, and I went out yesterday and uh, was able to. Harvest. Did Guys, you, that did you cricket hear that? is back. <laughs> did you hear that cricket? That stupid that cricket. That stupid cricket is back. Did we name the last episode for the love of cricket because <laughs> of that cricket you probably just heard in the background? I could hear him through my mic, my yeah, yeah, I don't hear him now, but or last week. I don't know. Yeah. A, okay, he's back because we st- we listened <laughs> before we recorded. I'm like, I don't hear him today, so we're good. But he's back. It's like, oh, they're back. <laughs> chirp, chirp, I'm going to steal the show. 
So, so start your story. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yesterday, the 24th, I went out kind of last minute after work and just hunted pretty close to the house and wasn't spec- expecting to see much. I even told you I didn't think I was going to see anything. Yeah, I remember you telling me that you are basically out to scout. Yeah. And lo and behold, a little doe walks 25 yards from me and let it let her fly. Dead deer. Let her eat, as you guys are saying. Yeah, let her eat. Smoked. Let her eat. Smoked. Smoked her. Smoked her. Let's get her done. We got her done. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I consciously, when I was recording myself, did not say, <laughs> let's see what happens. Did you record it? I did on my phone. Nice. Yeah. So there's some, there's not, no, I didn't record the kill. No. Oh. Just the uh, intro. And then that was it. <laughs> it came out earlier than I anticipated, so I didn't have my phone on my bow awesome. on that mount. And uh, it wasn't exactly a um, Boone and Crockett doe. <laughs> uh, to put it lightly. Was it, it was, a little more on the Nancy side? It was uh, significantly smaller when I when I walked up to her. Had some serious ground shrinkage. Ground shrinkage. <laughs> it happens. It happened to me last year. I so. mean, typically, this time of year, fawns are really light brown like super light color brown and this deer was not so i thought it was just a young doe and it was it was a very young doe <laughs> by itself so i mean i was like oops <laughs> well put but, some meat on the table like yeah i say it'd be nice yeah and i can cut her up and fit her all in one ziploc bag and <laughs> take her for lunch the next day. <laughs> it's very small <laughs> no what that's but no, it'll, it's going to be very tender, so can't complain about that. That's funny. I did the same thing last year. I, like that doe I killed early on. Yeah. I got up to her and I'm like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you looked a whole lot bigger. <laughs> you got smaller all of a sudden. <laughs> that's funny. But I'm on the board, so that's uh, that's the important thing. Good job. Uh, I haven't killed a deer in September in quite a few years, so... That was pretty cool. I can't recall if I killed that doe last year in September, if that was October. Yeah, I think that was October. Was it? The year before that, you did. Actually, two years two years in a row, you killed a doe two in September. Two in September, right? yeah. Yeah. That was like the first weekend I'd go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the same stand, hunts. too. Yeah, I missed that, that stand. Yeah, so while we're on the discussion of uh, your kill, uh, let's kind of go through uh, tactics. Because I know part of our show is like we like talking about tactics and maybe the things that work and don't work for us. So since Corey, you got the first kill of the season, would yeah. you like to kind of go through your methodology and sure what you did? So the first thing that I look at even before I go hunting is, is check the wind direction. I want to see what the, the weather channel or whatever's telling me the wind's going to blow. So that way I decide what stand I feel like is going to be the least likely to have a deer come from that direction. And, you know, it's very common practice to play the wind as you, as it's, it's a, as it said, um, but that's how I that's how I pick my stand. Once I get out to the woods, I'll then check the wind again while I'm physically in the field. Um, I like to use milkweed. Kind of stole that from the hunting public, but it does work really well because you can actually watch it if it's going to swirl. Like with the powder, you can check wind direction, but once it gets three feet from you, it dissipates, can't see it anymore. Yeah, you can see the. But with the milkweed, you can see it, and if it swirls. 30 yards from you, you'll start to see where that swirl is. And then you can decide if, you know, the wind was either correct on the weather channel or if you want to change stands or whatnot. So that's what I'm looking for when I start. Um, the, the stand I chose was based on 
that one direction because I thought the likelihood of the deer coming out of that direction was going to be the, the smallest, you know, percentage. Um, once I got in the stand, I threw the milkweed out and sure enough, it blew into a different direction than <laughs> I thought it was going to, but not by much. Um, so unfortunately I thought, you know, deer could come from this direction and lo and behold, that deer did come from the direction of downwind, but thankfully it kind of circled and got, you know, out of the wind direction. So right. it didn't smell me. Um, the next thing I did was I hunted the stand last year and it's set right in a fence line. It's got a really th- thick cedar tree right next to it. They're like so close. I put my hooks on to hang my bow and bag and stuff. And there's so many branches on there. It makes great cover, but there was a couple shooting lanes to my left, but hardly anything to my right. And I had a doe last year that came out to my right and I couldn't shoot it. And it was 20 yards because of all those branches. So I decided to basically step forward off of my stand, climb into that cedar tree. And I just went in and I started cutting limbs that I felt like could give me a couple holes. Um, so when you talk about tactics is the, the difference between cover and shooting lanes, like you got to know what limbs to cut, what limbs not to cut. I know we talked a little bit about that in the deer pression episode, I believe it was, uh, as far as doing that during the March months, February, right. March, so that way you have a better representation of what, you know, limbs are going to look like, leaves right. and stuff. So still using that same process, since it's a cedar tree, it's going to be the same all year round. Um, so I'm, I focused really hard on from my stand, if that's a limb I wanted to cut down or if it's not. So I decided to pick a couple, cut them. And, and thankfully I chose right. It didn't open me up too much to get rid of my back cover. Um, but allowed me to have some shooting lanes and sure enough, that doe came directly to my right, like that one did last year. And I was able to get a shot at it. And I wouldn't have, if I didn't make those cuts when I was in the stand. Yes. The key is though, like you were saying, you could kill a stand's credibility i guess uh if you cut the wrong branches yeah i mean you can go from having back cover to being skylit and they'll just spot you every time and i mean you can kill it and um what is back cover i mean it's pretty obvious but yeah i just when you're setting a stand whenever you're looking up in a tree that you're deciding to put a stand in it's always good to make sure that you visualize how the stand's going to sit, and if you're standing up or even just sitting there, that you're not got the blue sky behind you. Like you have brush and or tree limbs, and you know that you're going to kind of blend in, be broke up. Because if you're just blue sky, you're just going to stick out like a yeah. sore thumb. You don't want to be silhouetted up in the tree. You want to have, like he said, branches and brush, tree, something behind you, so that way they can't pick yeah. you out and silhouette you from the rest of the. Trees. Otherwise, your camouflage isn't doing its job. <laughs> yeah, which is another topic that people are, is camouflage actually necessary? <laughs> I see a lot of people hunting in red plaid shirts. I mean, uh, Fred Berry used to hunt in flannel from the ground yeah, for, with a recurve. If, well, I, I guess for me, I think when you're bow hunting, camouflage has more importance because you're having to, you're having to move a little more. Oh, sure. And you're usually standing up with a rifle. No. I mean, obviously, you can wear a bright orange vest and hat. And and you can wear blue. I've killed deer in blue jeans, tennis shoes. And, you know, 
I've done it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's the distance thing. Right. With the rifle, you can shoot them a heck of a lot yeah, farther. Um, at 50 yards, you can, as long as you ease your hammer back, that like the mi- movement is minimal compared to having to ease up, grab your bow off the hanger, and pull that back. I mean. As Sky would say, click, <laughs> click, <laughs> click. Like, what, two years ago, two or three years ago, I was hunting this property. He's talking about a different stand. But I had the biggest buck I've ever seen in person come up. And the stand, the platform's like this tiny little square. <laughs> so another tactic is buy stands designed for bow hunting. Yeah. Bigger platforms yeah. prove to be a lot more effective in the bow woods. So when I'm trying to pull this bow back, I do get it back. But the buck spotted me. And I goofed, too, because I should have let him go. He was coming from my right, and I should have let him get a little bit to my left to where he's facing away from me and tried to pull back. I got a little antsy. I I got buck fever, and, you know, I made a foolish move. But it didn't help that I couldn't get the bow back smoothly. I had to kind of struggle a little bit. And so he was just kind of... I was so proud of myself because I rattled that sucker in too. I, I rattled and I heard him running a long way off, and I'm like, "Oh, here we go!" And I blew it. That's the same stand I rattled a buck in. Was it the same year? It's probably around the same time. Yeah. I think it was the same year, just before that happened to you. Because I think I, that's why I told you to go there and rattle. Yeah, and I rattled you, a buck in from 180 yards away. I think and you were more successful than I was. I was. That one was a. That one was dead. Got that one. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I remember I lost my sunglasses when we were dragging him out of there. Yeah. Probably out of the woods somewhere. So uh, I've always been curious about this. Well, uh, first question everybody wants to know that's listening is, have you guys ever found that cigarette smoke has affected the deer calling in, coming in, anything like that to your knowledge? I don't think so. I don't. From your... I think... I don't I think a deer can di- di- differentiate the differences between the smell of cigarette smoke versus wildfire smoke, and right. you know, because there's an wood ongoing stove debate. Burning. Wood I stove, mean, which is very popular out in the country, know, very, so. they smell smoke all the time. Yeah. So I don't think they can tell the difference between those two. So no, I don't think so. However, if you're smoking in your a deer's downwind of you, I think it's going to blow at you just as it would if you're not smoking. Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't matter if you're smoking or not. In fact, smoking may help you. It may give you a little bit of cover scent. In fact, the the Native Americans used to hang their their clothes around a fire to get a cover scent on their clothes. To yeah. there you go. There, it's a native. It's a native tactic, still used today by some. You know how I cover my scent? Spray. Tons and tons of Primos. <laughs> Earth smelling goodness. Oh, that's some earthy smell. Boy, it smells like night crawlers. I, I kid you not. Since I've been using that in the last four years, I bought that Earth, Primo's Earth. I've not been winded. Now, last year I did because I didn't have it. I, and see, he can swear that up and down, and I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think you can lather up as much as you can. If a deer's down one of you, it doesn't matter. You're going to get Well, I mean... It might, sure. it might give you a little bit of extra time. Yeah. You know? I mean, you always have to play the wind. I'm not yeah. saying no, spray it and I ignore. Know. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying it's, for me, I feel like it's helped. Like, cause I'm, I, I spray it so much that it soaks through my clothes and I'm actually like, I almost get chilled because my clothes are wet. 
It's like freezing to death. I smell like earth. But I smell like a big old clod of dirt sitting in the tree. It's like mulch. Smells like mulch. And then my other question I was going to ask is, was there were, were there expectations or things you may have been told, like over the years, that as you've done more of it, you're like, okay, that was stupid. Uh, I don't have to do that because this is this actually does work for me and things. Anything like that? Hmm. Hmm. If not, I'll cut this out. No, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> well, I would. The wind or the uh, the scent thing would be one of them. I mean, you have so many things on the market like uh, scent-free deodorant, scent-free laundry, you know, laundry wash for clothes, shampoo, soap, spray. And don't get me wrong, I use most of those things. I think it's just more of a traditional thing. But I've learned over the years that... I, to me, it doesn't matter if they get downwind to you; they're gonna they're gonna get you. So I've laxed a little bit on some of that mm. scent control, just basing more of my hunts on hunting the stand that I think the deer is least likely to come through, as far as being downwind and accessing those stands. Which is another thing we can talk about because yeah, go ahead. Um, like this case, there's a couple different ways I could get to this stand, and I I went a longer way around based on that wind to get felt like on the backside of where the deer would come through so they're not walking right down my trail it's coming to me i've noticed deer will walk over somebody's trail but not along with it yeah eventually they'll start you. to they'll start to like that first day the opening day that i hunted i did a hanging hunt which was an awesome experience by the way um ended up seeing eight deer that day nice pretty, pretty nice buck too and they were sparring so it was awesome but there was a doe and a fawn that came down and jumped the fence and ended up coming right underneath my tree. And no care in the world until I got to the base of my tree. And that's where I had taken the stand off my back, got my, you know, everything situated, start putting my sticks up. So I made, and I was sweating that day too because it was Yeah, hot so, sick. you know, I'm sure I'm dripping sweat and everything else. But once it hit there, it just bounded real quick and started stomping and, eventually yeah. blew i could turn around and shot it but it had a fawn so i felt bad but uh, <laughs> that's good i guess so then uh so then they end up taking off just a little ways but that's that's a big thing but i have uh that deer last or yeah yesterday walked straight across my trail didn't walk along with my trail yeah and never never busted when i enter i always go through i never walked the, the obvious trails because the deer pick the obvious trails so i walk through the thickest nastiest <laughs> crap you can imagine because i figure they're going to go down the trail and like you said I'm, if i cross it that's one thing but i don't follow it you know what they say the path of least resistance is that usually what oh yeah yeah because i mean the deer. deer's not going to want to go down the thick stuff either mm-hmm. so what you're doing is you're trying to stay off of their trail right so that way, when they come in, they don't walk down yeah. the same one. Because smart, because like the the uh, those two does we were talking about, mm-hmm. I killed on the same stand. I just walked just to the left of that main trail coming in that we, you know, right our four wheeler on. So they were walking along my trail, but since I walked just off of it, they never smelled me, and it was just a few feet yeah. difference and. They never picked me up. And, uh, yeah, made it happen. Then you got them. So, okay, so kind of expounding upon my last question is, 
what are things that have definitely not gone right that you've had to uh, improve on tactically or, you know, whatever it might be. Practice, practice, practice on, uh, with your bow. So ranging is the hardest part about bow hunting because you're in the field. If you don't have time to pull your range finder out, it's really hard to judge where that deer is at. Right. And you can pick spots. Like, so you, you see a bush or, you know, tree or something like that. And you're, you're scoping those out while you get in the stand to make sure you know the yards of a surrounding area. But those deer will be split right in between most of your, most yeah. of the two places most that you just yarded. So, so then you either aim a little bit higher or a little bit lower, use the wrong pin, and either wound the deer or miss completely. And that happens a lot. Yeah. So that's that's a huge one. Just know your yardage and get comfortable shooting. Instead of just shooting 20, 30, 40, do 15, 25, 35. And figure out it all. See what your bow is yeah. doing. That's a lot of mistakes. When I range, like you said, you pick out various objects that mm-hmm. you scope out and you range the distances. I've also, since I know there's that gap, I always go in between. I might even find like a patch of bare dirt or something that happens to be there. And I always try to have like at least five yard increments. Right. And it, it's I've been fairly successful since that first hunt that you were with me, Rick, when I <laughs> did not do that. And and you see the results of yeah. what happens when you misjudge. How about you? Uh, for me, I think uh, probably patience. Uh, I know it's not really... Well, I guess it's, it's, yeah, a, it's sure a tactic is. because I know a lot of my deer hunts over the years have been uh, not as fruitful. Granted, I haven't gone as much as you guys have, but the times that I have seen deer almost the deer fever thing you know instead of just being patient and you know just letting them walk come in and get set and all that stuff it's like gotta go gotta go gotta Mm -hmm. gotta go yeah and then you know part of part of uh you know rifle training is breathing technique Mm -hmm. and so that's been my biggest thing i've had to work on over the years is just like when i get into this situation that i can just focus and not let it go to tunnel vision or right you know, because that's, I think tunnel vision, it can be good at times, like in, in certain situations, but a lot of times it takes the focus off the bigger picture. And then you, when you do that, you, you, uh, you lose mechanics and, uh, things that you've learned that you forget because you're too much into the moment. So I'd yeah. say that's the biggest one for me. The mechanics thing's huge because you sit there and you shoot a target and you have your same anchor point every time you're focused on it. You get out in the woods and then you see a big buck and you don't yeah. think of anything like that. You just pull it back and then you're, right. you're shaking and sometimes you don't get your anchor point right. And it should be completely natural, but in the moment like that, it can be yeah. difficult. And, that's and I was speaking from the perspective of rifle hunting because, right. again, I don't, I've, <laughs> I've never gone bow hunting by myself. I've gone with you guys to record and all that kind of stuff. But uh, that's just, it's the same kind of, sure. same concept, same perspective. So. <clears throat> for it's me very hard again like because i'm i'm one of the few people i guess where it's the opposite <laughs> but with like with targets i think the reason i do so poorly is because i'm so conscientious of trying to do the breathing and that you know that throws me off psychologically yeah. i'm like so focused on that that i'm not focused on shooting and then when the deer comes in right. i guess i just do it naturally 
or more naturally. Mm-hmm. Well, you, but, you get focused and get into kill mode or autopilot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like everybody has their own term. I've always called it autopilot just because it's like, I'm not, you're not there. I'm yeah. not there. Yeah. I mean, you almost see yourself in a third person. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a very surreal experience. Like if you've never experienced that moment, uh, I think that's why deer hunting for me is probably my favorite because Although I love dove and I, I like goose hunting, which I've done more than duck, I, I never quite get quite that same like right. mm-hmm. that autopiloty feel. Even with turkey, but like a turkey, you have a shotgun. As long as you're aiming somewhat close to his head, I mean, you're gonna get at least a pellet in there. You think? <laughs> yeah. So, it's, uh, uh, it's tough. is there anything like I know we, we're talking about this stuff incrementally, but uh, are there tips that you can give like like people that are like maybe unsure or you know maybe they don't think they're doing anything right or i don't know just something that may help them that aside from tactics that have helped you whether whatever that might be if that makes any sense at all one one thing i would tell a new hunter is one of the falsehoods that people bring up is the type of equipment you need they always tell you you got to get this and this and this, like the best of the best. As long as your bow, you know, it doesn't have to be that top notch. As long as you can right. hit a target, hit a deer with it. Yeah. I mean, and this could be for just even anybody, avid yeah. or hobby hunters. Yeah, you too. don't need a twenty eight hundred dollar bow, right? Because right. <laughs> hunters, duck hunters, and deer hunters, they all have a habit of saying, "Well, you got to buy this pair of waders. You got to have." This shotgun, you gotta have this bow, this type of camo, like yeah. these yeah. shells, these yeah. And I mean, they might be nicer. I don't know. I'm sure there there's definitely some perks, but you don't need it. Like I have a Martin bow. It's basically a beginner's bow from. It's you know it's almost twelve years old, and I've killed just as many deer <laughs> as about anybody with it. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah. You definitely don't need the top top of the line everything just to get started yeah and don't get pressured right that's gonna say that's because they do try to pressure you like oh you got to get the ozonics doohickey which again in my opinion i know that might stop the smell for just to give you a couple extra seconds to make the shot but it's it's not going to hide your scent from a deer but get that thermocell well, yeah. that is different. That's yeah, I don't care about the huh? smell of that huh? thing. I just want to keep the bugs away. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had a deer reared's nose at a thermocell. Yeah. No, I... And I've had mosquitoes rear their nose at thermocells, <laughs> so... That's the most important thing. It Hopefully is. Hopefully a couple more weeks we'll be out of the mosquitoes. Um, but to your question, um, what I would say for a beginner who's coming in who maybe has been hunting for a couple years, hasn't been successful... Um, learn to adapt. So what I mean by that is a lot of people think they, they put a stand on an edge of a field and, you know, they see deer off in the distance and like, Oh, well, better luck next time. There's a reason why there's deer on in the woods or somewhere else is because they're not coming to where you are. So adapt, move your stand, move it right after you get done hunting and hunt it that evening. I mean, yeah, there's some pressure uh, involved in that. And you have to be conscientious of that and make smart decisions and how you're moving. But for instance, I hunted, uh, a cedar tree stand, uh, a week or so ago. And I saw a deer walking the same trail that I did last year. And one pretty, 
pretty nice buck, a shooter buck. And he's only 30 yards away, but it was so thick I couldn't get a shot. Um, there wasn't anything where I could actually cut limbs down to make it easier. It was just very thick in there. And like I said, the deer did the same thing last year. So after I got done hunting, I took my stand. As soon as I got out, I took my stand down, moved it 20 yards down the trail, and put it back up. And that's where I plan to hunt. When the wind's correct, I need a northeast wind to hunt that stand or a north wind. So if, once I get that stand, that's going to be my morning stand. Hmm. And that's so adapt to what you're seeing. Scout is a huge key. Um, don't just, a lot of people, no offense to gun hunters, but. They show up opening day of rifle season. They don't look one day before. They don't go out one day after. I mean, it's they show up and hunt. And some of them can kill, and you can get lucky. A lot of people get really lucky. Kind well, you can also, depending on your rifle, off. you can, your reaches, you can get those deer that wouldn't come to you. Right. So. Yeah. But scout, look at your property, know your, search your trails, and, and don't set your stand directly on your trail. I think that's a lot of people mistake that. They're like, oh, here's a trail. Let me put it on this tree. It's like, you're three yards from that trail. (laughs) Yeah. You might want to back it off a little bit. So adapt. That's that's actually probably one of the best. Yeah. That's definitely good. Don't be complacent and just hope that they come by the next time because chances are they probably won't. And that can kill your drive to want to hunt too because I know for me it's like, okay. Like there they are over there again. Fifth time. No, haven't seen anything. About Uh, ready to. Yeah. Hang up the old boots. <laughs> Especially with bow hunting, because you're like, oh, yeah, I saw a nice one, but he was out of range again. Or, yeah, I saw some deer, but they were too far to shoot. Yeah. Move your stand closer. <laughs> I mean, it takes some work, and it's a pain. A lot of people want to put a stand up and leave it for three or four right. or five years. But that's what the nice thing about hunt, hanging hunt is. Right. It's it's also the, the mindset, too. It's like you have the ability to do that. It's, yeah. like, it's like there's no set rules no. about... Once you set your stand up, you don't have to keep it there. Like, right. And that's something that you have well, to you think were, about adapting. You were talking about one thing that you've been told your whole life that you've kind of realized is maybe, you know, bogus or yeah. not as important as you hang your stand there and you don't move it. You slip in as quietly as possible. You hunt it and you hunt that stand all year. And then after season, then you can move your stand. Nope. Nope. Move it. Move it right now. You know, move it right after you get done hunting and. I mean, chances are you might make a little bit of noise or a little bit of scent for a little while, but by the time you get in there the next time. Right. I think that's what like you'll be fine. people are afraid that they're going to be like, oh, I scared somebody's deer. Nope. No. They'll come back. Yeah. They'll come back. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. But on that note, uh, is there anything else? I mean, like I... I, I mean, we, did, we, we can do this for many weeks. We can get into food plots and... Um, what sign to look for, things like that. Uh, as the seasons change right now, I know it's early season, so they're still, most of them are on their summer patterns, but they're starting to move into their fall patterns. Um, so I can say that real quick is they like the green beans uh, when the leaves are really nice and green in color. When they start to brown up, a lot of times that's when the about the same time the acorns start to fall. And that's why a lot of people are like, man, I don't see, I saw deer scouting, but I don't see any deer when I'm hunting. That's probably because they're starting to change and staying in the timber because they don't care for the dried beans from what I've noticed until it gets really late and it gets frosty. Get that frozen beans. For some reason, they like the bean pods. I think it's becomes more desperation than. Yeah. (laughs) When they, because at that point, the acorns are starting to be completely brown. But right now, 
they're heading to acorn. So find oak trees. White oaks is the sweetest of those. Uh, you got red oaks, bur oaks, pin oaks, but white oaks are the sweetest acorn out of all those. And if you can find a white oak, which literally is a white tree, a white barked, huge tree with lots of branches, rounded leaves as opposed to most oak trees that have pointy leaves, get close to those. Yeah. And they also have big whopper acorns. Huge too. acorn, big green acorns and find those patches and find some trails and set there. So move away from just hunting a field edge all the time. Cause that's what a lot of people do until that's why they don't see deer a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. We definitely just scratched the surface of what all we right. could talk about. So we'll get into more of that, but I want to, I meant to say that. So I want to throw that in there real quick. Um, but we'll talk about how to hunt coming up in the next few weeks and months. Cause we're going to start seeing rut activity in the next month, probably. Yeah. And, uh, how to change and adapt to that too. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Brett, where can they find us as always? Yes, you can definitely find us at YouTube. Um, please hit that subscribe button. I looked at the analytics. We still have like 60% of our viewers or the view, the view, uh, watch time minutes come from non subscribers. Yeah. So we have had a gain of four or five subscribers since the last episode. So for those people, yeah, thank, we you. thank you very we much. Thank you. And all of our subscribers, obviously. Right. And thank you for staying with us, even though we had kind of that dry spell. Yeah. I, we appreciate you guys mm-hmm. sticking with us. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it literally takes two seconds to click the subscribe button. Also, there's a little bell icon, they call it. I guess it's, you click that and it'll notify you when we post a new video or podcast episode. Or Yep. Absolutely. Um, and then Instagram too, right? Brett? Yeah, I was getting to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let them finish. <clears throat> So we are Barnhill underscore OD underscore podcast. And that's where we are at Instagram. Um, Rick, where can they find us on the podcast? Side oh, of uh, all, all outlets, uh, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all those things. So any more than likely, whatever one you use, you can find us on there. So you just, you just search Barnhill Outdoors, search Barnhill Outdoors and you'd be good to go. Awesome. What about Twitter? Have we got a new... We do. Uh, it's uh, actually Barnhill OD underscore uh, PC. Okay. Barnhill so that's a new OD. Twitter it is, account. It's a completely right? new Twitter account. Barnhill OD underscore PC. Okay. Because I can't fit everything into it. <laughs> so, All right, gents. Uh, so next time we'll uh, we'll talk more about uh, more in-depth and more in-depthly on the upcoming uh, fall hunting season. So, And we'll just update everybody on how we're doing yeah yeah uh sky wasn't here today but he did he was successful i will let him uh tell his story the next time he's on but i'll just tell you that he was able to kill on opening day that's (laughs) awesome until next time guys see ya